Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. When I look at that, you know, we, we played hard. We played the right way. The result wasn't the right. No one's happy about that. No one wants to hear about that. I don't want to hear about that. He didn't get the win. But we're, we're, we're playing the game with the pace we need to play it. And this very frustrating. Sabres remain 10 back in the wild card race in the Eastern Conference. And now the... Um... The winning percentage the rest of the way has emphatically changed. We've talked for quite a while that the Sabres basically have to win two out of every three to keep themselves in the mix to get to the mid-90s range and hope that that is good enough in the wildcard race. The fact of the matter is now, with 32 games remaining, they will need to win at least three out of every four. So you've gone from 67 on the winning percentage meter to 75% of your games that you have to win the rest of the way after another hard luck loss, Marty, it it dawned on me, shouldn't have dawned on me just now, but try not to uh, dwell on, you know, stats from the past, but um, there was a time in the not too uh, distant past that uh, we talked about the Sabres inability to win games when they didn't score more than two. Well, they still don't have a win this year when scoring fewer than two goals, two or fewer. They are 0-19-2, and you marry that with the fact that they do not get beyond regulation very often. In fact, they're tied with Edmonton for fewest trips beyond regulation. The, these kinds of things all add up to single points here and there, single points here and there that would change the outlook dramatically. Agree? Um, Who's agree, to disagree? Yes. It'd be more fun if we disagreed. So. No, I agree. Yes, I look at, look, last night's a 2-1 game. So Dallas won a game by scoring only two goals, right? You look at the Tampa game, um, the last home game before they went on the West Coast, before the bye week and the All-Star break, it was a 2-1. It ended up being 3-1 and empty net, but it's a 2-1 win by Tampa. Tampa wins a game up uh, by scoring only two goals. Then the week before that, there was a one nothing win by Vancouver against Buffalo. So that's a team where Vancouver only. So, you know, there's been times this year where you looked at the game and maybe they lost a game 3-2 and you're thinking, ah, you know, a save here would have been good. Like, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, maybe October and early November. A save here would have been good. Maybe you can win this game 2-1 or maybe you can take the 2-2 game into overtime and get an extra point. 
Um, this has not been the case of late here. The case of late is your goaltender has done a fantastic job keeping the games tight. And even if you fall in behind, like they did at LA or in uh, San Jose, a save or two keeps it at two nothing or three one, and it allows you to come back. But the offense has had a hard time to really produce, despite glorious scoring chances, despite you know some better play uh, from from Dylan Cousins and from JJ Paterka and from now the middle stat line, who I think is playing well with Greenway and Tuck. Um, you're still not you able to get over. Though? I thought they were the second best line. I thought there was the Cousins line that was by far Cousins Benson's. Uh, Benson and Paterka were by far the the best line. The numbers show it. The eye test shows it. They were the best line. And then after that, I thought, okay, Middlestat, Greenway, Tuck are probably the line that has done enough. But at five on five, I thought that was it. I didn't think that the Thompson line at five on five really got anything done. And now, you know, if the Krebs line with Gergensen and Robinson is one of your top two lines in a game, well, there's other issues there. So I just felt like by default, I think that the middle stat line was the second best line. Uh, but everything five on five, especially that was created, in my opinion, was Cousins line. That's that's what it was. And they created a ton in that game. Yeah, the only um, concern I have with that line moving forward is how much of the lack of production is weighing on Zach Benson right now. Yeah, this is, and we agreed. I mean, 20 minutes in last night, and I don't think it really changed that much. His ice time diminished a little bit as, as obviously special teams ended up dominating the third period, but um, you know, he's, he's not yet scored at home. He's goalless in his last 18 games and he's, I think he's capable of taking on the bigger role, but I always wonder about players and how they feel when the numbers don't aren't there or don't match what the player perceives he's given at that point in time. Um, I would think that that would be the case with H.H. Thompson, a Dylan Cousins, maybe even a J.J. Paterko when things weren't really uh, amounting to goals and assists and he was in a little bit of a, a dry stretch here. With Zach Benson, I... I I'm going to say it in a way that maybe doesn't make sense, but I feel like this season is like playing with house money is that I don't agree until now, because now it's crunch time and nobody else is scoring and he's in a bigger role. That's he's in my a bigger concern. role. Yes. But he's he, yesterday he was getting chances yesterday. That line was, I, I want to say that shot attempts uh, during the game at five on five were 25 to five. When that line was on mm -hmm. the ice, like 25 to five, that's a right. huge number. But I'm right? not focusing on yesterday's game. I'm focusing on the weight of the big picture here of 18 games with no goals and never having scored at home. And that's why I'm asking the question. I'm not asking it because of what they did last night, which was really yeah. good. I still think that when it comes to Zach Benson, the way that I see him um, approach the game, the way that I see him talk about the game, and uh, I... I really don't think it's weighing on him. And maybe, okay. maybe it is, and he's hiding it well. And, you know... Players handled different situations. Uh, yesterday, we saw Darlene, like, had so many chances. And we obviously saw frustrating frustration, body language in a way. Not a negative, like, more like, ah, oh, I want to score so bad. Damn it. Like, a damn puck or damn stick. Like, I, I had it. I want it. Like, 
that's a Dalene thing. And and look, Rasmus Dalene, and maybe that's why the Greenway um, middle stat tuck line for me was was the the second best line because I, well they were on the ice with Rasmus Dalene a lot and every time yes. Dalene had chances it was that line that was on the ice but maybe it was more Dalene that elevated that line to another level when you look at the the numbers and the chances they had but Benson I don't feel and I don't sense that there is that added pressure to perform everybody's putting pressure to perform and to score mm-hmm. But I don't see it being like the number one thing that will make or break his his approach to the game. I think he wants to score. He had a great chance on the back and comes in, right? Mm-hmm. He tries to tuck it in. Great chance. Um, but I think he 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 does enough other places that his game is a positive moving forward that it's not just being held up by production. Okay. Uh, do you have the minutes that um, Darlene was out there with the middle stat line handy? Uh, yes, right here, five like on five. Because I did ask you going into the third period last night what you would do if you were out there with Darlene on a night when he was playing the way he yeah. was. Because it's important. You have to be able to read off of a player playing the way Darlene was playing last night. But you've led me down a path here that uh, unexpected, as per usual, which is kind of the nature of our discussions. Um, yeah. <laughs> What I was going to um, bring up today, and and this won't surprise anyone, and it's not it, it 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 is what it is. Like if you look at Casey Middlestad as the club's leading scorer, you would expect there to be some sort of you know nice package of numbers associated with that. Yes. And if you look at Tage's disappointing for him season so far because of injuries and not the same level of production, you would expect probably some numbers and this is rightly or wrongly individual player, you know, uh, related, whatever, like Casey's been on the ice for 46 goals for at even strength. That's the most among any Sabres forward. Yeah. But it's twice as many as Thompson. Thompson's only been on for 23, five on five goals. Mm -hmm. So this funnels it back to the discussion where you were just talking about five on five. And when you mentioned a line being out there with Darlene, I'm now going to ask, should Thompson wow. have Darlene more often? And to go way too far back for some of our audience, there are coaches who have always believed in having a certain pair out there with a top line. Detroit became famous for it in the late 90s because of the Russian five, of which they weren't all Russians. Doug Brown often got turns in there and was named Brownoff just to fit in with Fedorov, Fatisov, <laughs> Konstantinov, all the rest. But you know what I'm saying here, right? These, these are like, so how do you take last night, take what Darlene can do, find the best forward line fit to make sure that he is not only helping himself because he wants to create the offense, but put these other forwards in the best chance to score. So I look right, at last night really and, and and was that? I said sorry. That was really a long. No, story, no. I so. and I and I. As you're talking, I I wish I'm like, oh my gosh! I wish I could press a button and see like every single game, like a chart in front of me. Thompson, <laughs> Dalene, how many times they've played? To, how much time they've played together in every single game? The games yeah. that were good, the games that were bad. What did that? How did Thompson and his line perform when they were with Dalene a lot? How does that? You know what? What happens when he's with power? Like last night, Rasmus Dalene played 10 minutes 
ice time at five on five with Middlestat, Tuck, and Greenway. Okay. Mm-hmm. The second best was Dylan Cousins at five minutes and with Paterka and Benson, but they were more in the four and a half minutes range as a whole. And then it was Gergensen, Robinson, and Peyton Krebs. The least amount of minutes Dallin has played in the game last night was with Tage Thompson. Right. And if you look at the numbers, the Thompson line in a game where you outshot attempted the other team 83 to 61, mm-hmm. the Thompson line shot attempts were basically even at the end of the night. Like they should have been plus 10, plus 12, plus 15, right? At the end of the night. So, so then it makes me think, okay, well, then who did Tage play most with? And how did that carry itself over, right? So, the defense pair that Tage Thompson played most with was with Power and Clifton. Their mm-hmm. shot attempts at five on five went on the ice with Power and Clifton uh, were uh, with Power seven, four, nine against with Clifton five, four, nine against, right? And then after that, it was Ryan Johnson and then a little Yuki Aryu and a little Dalin. Like they weren't on the ice without Power or Clifton much. So it was basically the Thompson lines on the ice. We're going to have Power and Clifton with them. And mm-hmm. I do think it makes a difference because I felt like Middlestad, Greenway, and Tuck line, when you look at the numbers and you look at their offensive zone impact, they did a lot of good things. But now I'm looking back and thinking and looking at my notes. I'm like, well, it was very much driven by Darlene. Yes. Darlene had all the shot attempts. Darlene had all the shots. Darlene had all the scoring chances. It was very much driven by Darlene. So... I mean, you would hope, you would hope that when you put the Thompson line out there, that maybe you can say, hey, you guys are going to go out and produce, right, on your own. And then I can use the Darlene effect on somebody else, another yes. line to be able to produce. Um, I'm almost thinking now it, all, it, it may have to revert to the opposite. It may have to say, hey, we know that, you know, we've taken Alex Stuck off the top line. And with Middlestad and Greenway, it's worked better. It's we're uh-huh. good. Look at the Anna, uh, not the Anna, the LA Kings game. Look at the San Jose game. Maybe they don't need that boost of Rasmus Dalin. They can do it on their own. Maybe that Dalin boost needs to shade over to Thompson now to help him produce because they need Thompson to produce. Well, I mean, obviously, the coaching staff is very aware of you know who plays well with, plays off of best. But I also think there's a couple of things to this. Jeff Skinner has not resembled Jeff Skinner since no, coming back. So that is not presumably helping Tage. And this is that relative, you know, kind of effect you that you're a byproduct of who you're out there with, obviously. And that's again, it's understandably missed a handful of games who, who and this is this is what it is. Jeff was the leading goal scorer on the team before he got hurt. Um and I do think, and you see this nightly because just look at the minutes again. Owen Power is expected to be a play driver and the numbers would show you that in his two full seasons, he has been a play driver. So it's, it's not an indictment that the coaches didn't use Thompson with Dalene. It's they think power also can be a catalyst for whichever is your top line. Right. So I get it. Like you don't want to be thought of as, Hey, they got one really good five man unit and not much else. You're trying to diversify it. And for whatever reason, um, 
like the goals are just hard to come by for Owen Power. And I know it's not all the offense is hard to come by. Like does the goal, the production is hard to come by right now for and I think if you're being honest, I think like many nights, Ryan Johnson looks like a greater creator of offense right now from the blue line position among the guys not named Darlene. Well, what did Darlene say yesterday? He said, I wasn't thinking out there. I was just playing, right? And I'm, that's what he said. There was a there was a chance early in the first period when Owen Power joined the rush. And he came like really, really close to the net and could have tight turn and just said, I'm going to attack the net right now. And he turned back and then went kind of up high in the zone. And kind of it's almost like the... Uh, uh, you know, the basketball play where you're around the basket, but you're going to decide to kick it out beyond the three-point line and then just back yourself up to to midcourt and say, okay, let's slow it down. No, like the Sabres have talked about, we don't want to slow it down. But it, I felt like it went through, and when I saw Owen Power do it, I really felt like I could see it, like, in his brain, like a computer, like a, you remember the old computer programs that were the MS DOS, yeah. where yeah. you would get a line for everything, like the coding. I saw coding happen in Owen Power's brain at that moment, thinking, "Should I go to the net? No. Oh, oh, maybe I should have. Oh, maybe, well, maybe I'll take it back. Oh, well, now it's too late. I gotta take it back because I did not do it right away. So now I gotta slow it down." And I remember, and I marked it in my in my notes. It was. Um, uh, I got it somewhere in there. Uh, it's a lot of gibberish because I didn't have my normal paper yesterday. So I wrote on top of like notes. It was a mess. But anyway, you're a day late with everything because you're wearing black and red today for some unknown reason. And I wore blue and gold last night. I just <laughs> felt like it. That's the way it is. But um, yeah, so I feel I feel like Owen Power this year. What has been very uh, hard to produce is the amount of second guessing or thinking that he's put. And a lot of it is because he's gotten burned. He, you know, maybe yeah. he started playing without second guessing himself or thinking too much. And then he got burned. And now you're thinking every time I come back to the bench, I pull the iPad. My coach is saying, Hey, you can't do this. Can't do that. Now I get it. Right. Like as a player, you start to almost protect yourself in a way that you say, I'm not going to put myself in those situations, but Owen is a play driver, needs to be a play driver, as you said, and that's yeah. important. Now, I look back quickly as you were talking, for example, San Jose. Okay, the Sabres going to San Jose, they they, they were down to nothing and they won 5-2. Uh -huh. Who did Tage Thompson play most in San Jose when you look at the defense? Rasmus Dallin, 7 minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah. Then Owen Power with 512 and Bryson 506. Now let's remember they played with Bryson in that game, and Bryson at times would skip a shift, right? Yes. So so you got but the most uh, common defenseman that Thompson played with in San Jose was Rasmus Dalin. Almost eight minutes of five on five time with Rasmus Dalin, right? right. Now, I don't know why it went away from that at home. Maybe it's more like, okay, we have the control of the matchups and well, I, we're playing I, Dallas instead of San Jose. That's thank different. You. That's all that needed to be said. Like, yeah. <laughs> as soon as you started that launch into San Jose, I'm like, like, you know, yeah, I get it. Like the Sharks had been on a run before Buffalo ran into them recently and you have to treat them with respect. But the fact of the matter is they score almost half the number of goals that Dallas do. Like that's a fact. So the, the stars have an incredibly balanced attack and you have to spread out how you're going to defend against them. And, you know, and for it, like, and this again, like just to be kind of looking at who can create from the blue line, this, this was not, 
to say that Owen Power is having a, a bad year. It's no. because again, the numbers will show you he is on the ice for more goals than anybody else. He has been for two seasons. He he's out there for the most five on five goals. It doesn't always result in points and people, you know, look, there's lots of examples of eye test failures for any player, any game. Um, but I think for Owen, people just want the numbers to, to climb a little bit here. And then, I mean, it's obviously a silly and redundant statement, but like the Sabres offense is not where, you know, it was last year. So it's, presumably it's if Owen had 15 more points, you'd be looking at, oh, well, that, that could change. But you can... And if the power play go- was different, maybe you wouldn't look at power and say, hey, if he had 15 more points, because then maybe your yeah. production on the power play as a team would help you. But again, like, so, I, you know, what I do a lot and, and you know... We, You get up in the morning, the day after a game, you kind of look at your notes, you look at the numbers and you say, okay, well, what happened last night in the game? But also sometimes I like to take it out to what happened around the league and how does that affect, you know, the game that the Sabres played. And last night after the game, everybody was saying, well, Jake Ottinger, Jake Ottinger. Now, you know, if you, you lose the game 2-1, I get it. And Jake Ottinger, first star, you know, stole a game for Dallas, in my opinion. But, you know, I've Uko Pekalukinen on the other side that played a fantastic game. So I look at the numbers last night, all the goalies that played last night. Who is the best goalie when you look at goal save above expectation? Obviously, Jake Ottinger is going to be number one. Dallas mm-hmm. won. Vegas, Aiden Hill against the Oilers. He's number two last year. They won. Number three, Tristan Jari. They won three nothing against the Winnipeg Jets. Number four, Uko Pekalukinen. He lost. Then it's Samuel Urson. He won. Then it's Sam Montambo. He won. Then it's Vitek Vanacek. He won. That's Jacob Marshall. They won. Like, like it's unfortunate because you're getting that performance from UPL. There's the best eight goalies last night. Seven yeah. of them won. One loss, and it's UPL that loses. So then again, yeah. it goes back to how do you create more offense because your goalie is giving you the performance you need. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many unfortunate realities here, and that is the first period numbers um, continue to be tough. They're they're not giving themselves that opportunity to take a lead and run with it. They have not been a terrific comeback team through the course of this year. We mentioned the fact they don't have a win when scoring two or fewer, and last night was the biggest contrast of all. You ended up against the number one team in the NHL wins in one goal games yep. against the team that has the fewest one goal wins this year, which is the Sabres. So th- these are all, and again, the line is, the line is fine, but uh, it's also very frustrating and maddening as you heard from Kevin Adams in the pregame, Don Granado and Rasmus Dahlin, among others in the postgame. And, and here they sit uh, losing a game in hand on Detroit last night and remaining 10 back. You know, we did have a question as we were talking about Zach Benson earlier in the show today. Um, Thomas wanted to know, like, in all honesty, like, what has Benson gained from being here all year? What have the Sabres gained from him being here? Now, Thomas was thinking that a full year compared to a full year in Rochester. Well, he wasn't eligible to go to Rochester. So that yes. in itself is a big play here because you're looking at a kid who's far enough along in development that you realize probably, you know, can take a lot from the NHL experience and as opposed to junior. But how do you view where we're at as far as what Benson and the Sabres 
have or haven't gained by him being here this year? Well, I, I number one, I think that Benson earned his spot from the start of the season. And I, I, I've never been, and we've discussed this on this show often, I've never been a guy that, oh, you get nine games, right? Like you evaluate right. all the time. Are you here? Are you not here? I thought Benson from development camp, rookie camp, training camp, earned his spot to be on the team. And in the first 10 games of the season, you know, I, I wasn't worried about it. I'm like, he's on the team. And like all the players on the team, there's going to be some highs and some lows in the season. I, not once this year, thought to myself, would this have been better for Zach Benson to have gone back to juniors? That's, that's telling to me is that what is Zach Benson going to learn or benefit from playing juniors that he's not already learning and benefiting even more by playing in the National Hockey League. Now, if his performances and his pace and every time he stepped on the ice, he looked lost and looked, that would be a different thing. Saying, okay, well, you know what? Go down to juniors and score plentiful and, you know, dominate and that's fine. Do I think Zach Benson is going to be the type of player that is going to be a point of game player in the National Hockey League that's going to wow all of us with his offense? No, I think he's going to be a really, really, really valuable player on the team. But I see him more of a, a, a hardworking, grinding type of guy that is he needs to, to learn a different way to play at the NHL level. I don't think that what Zach Benson was as a junior player is going to be what he will be as an NHL player. I think we're seeing much more of what he can be as an NHL player with obviously added production, but I think he's he's carving his identity at the NHL now, which I don't think he would have been able to do that in juniors. Hmm. I see him as a 30 goal scorer. I don't see, I don't know yet how quickly that's going to come, but I, uh, oh. I suspected with a better... I mean, again, there's just too many guys that aren't scoring right now. And that in the end of it all is the biggest reason the Sabres are where they are. They're just, they're, the goals are just, uh, in, I mean, in all seven of their most recent regulation losses, it's been two or fewer. And, you know, um, that, that has proven to be not a great, I mean, if you're looking at it, they're 12 and three when they score four or more. So we're yeah. still almost going in automatic mode when they, when they hit that number and they've had three wins or 10 wins this year when they've landed on exactly three goals for uh, razor probably won't talk about the offense, but uh, undoubtedly we'll talk about uh, much bingo around the league. Uh, <laughs> great stories around the league. Yeah. I hope not bingo. That was a one nighter. I, I hope. <laughs> well, but, maybe he's uh, playing bingo this afternoon. Maybe he's on oh, his good. way to bingo good right to now. Himself. I don't know. Hey, uh, maybe Razor will be the uh, fashionista at this year's Catwalk for Charity. Oh, yeah. That is making a return. As you know, it was made famous by Ryan Miller during his time here. And the Catwalk for Charity is... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back. It's Friday, March 15th the Forbes Theater in downtown Buffalo. Ryan and his former mates will walk the runway once again with the return of this incredible event. Sabres alumni will model outfits designed by Courage of Carly Patients at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center with proceeds benefiting the Ryan Miller Legacy Fund. To learn more and get tickets, you can do so now by visiting sabers.com slash catwalk. We're back after this. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. The show has grown. We have added the legendary presence of Rob Ray here on this Wednesday afternoon. Hi, Razor. What, do you guys need help with the ratings again, boys? You know what, Razor? Um, when you talked about bingo on the pregame yesterday, I think we have uh, gained a whole lot of new uh, followers. And uh, then you followed it up by asking Peyton Krebs about bingo. So uh, I think we've maxed it out now. We've maxed out the ratings that we were going to get out of your bingo story. A good Canadian boy knows everything about bingo and curling. Oh, is, is that a thing or two about what you're doing right now, too? <laughs> I I've just picked up about a thousand dollars worth of dog food out of my backyard here. With, like you're selling the dog poop out of your backyard? Is that no. what you're doing? No, it's Marty. Winter uh, dogs come out back and it's time uh, to clean up, buddy. I see what you're saying. Okay. I thought maybe, you know, like maybe we can hire Rob Ray. Maybe that's a new uh, business uh, side business is uh Robbery the Doug uh, Hooper cleaner, and he'll come up to your yard and, and clean him up at this time of year. We could take your pow truck, Marty, turn the back of it into like a you know container that could hold it, and we'll just go. Yeah, and he's then old, we'll make compost out of it. Ra- Razor, he's only got a four-cylinder. Do you think it's enough to carry the weight of all that mess? I don't know if it's enough to get this out of my backyard here right now. <laughs> How many dogs do you have for that much poop back there? But it's soon to be one because one's really getting on my nerves and the neighbor likes it. So maybe make a trade with them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my dogs. Moose, Chloe, they're awesome. Uh, There's a big audit today announced by the NHL. Um, it was from their statistical division, <laughs> which is kind of amusing based on you and Dan, among the many, going back and forth on what the accurate shot totals were in last night's game, but apparently they've done a comprehensive audit of the hits category. Why, other than Lou Lamorello contract negotiations with many of the Islanders, would anybody want these numbers anymore? But it led us down the path of what category in your career do you think could best be served by an NHL audit? Oh, I know that I got, I got, so many points taken from me because you know the guys you know they run to the ref really quick hey i touched that i touched that i got that i know i know that i could get at least 
two or three more points out of that. Oh, I could. Plus minus is always the one. You know, the part I hate is when the guys come off and they're stepping off the ice and about a second later they score or get scored on and you don't get credit for it. It should be the guys that were in the play. That's the one that really bothers me well, because there was so many guys in the past when somebody'd be going down on a three on one and they'd be rushing to the bench to get off so they wouldn't get the minus. And the poor guy gets like two steps from the bench, he gets nailed with it. So here's something that people may not know. The way it works often is let's say the team is going up on a two on one and Razor, you're tired, you, you know. Well, maybe not. You're you're on the bench and somebody's coming to change and you're going to take that player, right? So your team is on a two-on-one. You step on the ice. You score. The team scores. You, a nice guy, is going to go back to the bench and let the player that just changed get to the, 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 you know, the grouping after the celebration so that he can get the plus. But when it's on your own net, so... You, 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 somebody's on the back check. You have to step on the ice and you get scored. Never have I ever seen a guy turn back and tell the other guys, you go, man. Like you take the minus. That doesn't happen. There's been times when you wanted to go back to the bench because it was the same guys all the time and throw their ass on the ice just so they would get the minus because you would just, you know, I don't know. Greedy. That sometimes is greediness. But on the other hand, it's kind of smart too, getting off before you really got nailed for something negative. Yeah, but if you were to play 20, 22 minutes a night, it's different. You can pick and choose when you're yeah, going to get off because you know you're going back on the ice. Yeah, but when you're not, it's, it puts you in a bad situation and the coach says, oh, you were minus last night, uh, you know, the blah, 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 skate today, blah, blah, blah. It's like <laughs> such a crock of crap. That it is, I love the stat. I love the stat because I think it, it can tell you a lot about, you know, players or lines, but it's how it's uh you know distributed it's probably not fair all the time yeah well and that might be a perfect segue to last night in the sense of people with you know uh optimistic view would say wow like they created so much they had their you know dominant zone time and all the rest of it but came out with a a 2-1 loss against a really good team in Dallas razor you i i can't even imagine how many 2-1 games you played in during your time, especially in the Dom era. And you weren't always winning those, right? Like, I mean, as good as Dom was, it wasn't like you were a 130-point team. So you know what these brutally close games are like and how frustrating it is when the group is challenged to score. You also have the most unique vantage point of this because you're physically closest to it on a nightly basis between the benches like what are you seeing and feeling from this group that was so good offensively last year and is now just not right at that level well you you see the frustration you hear the frustration you know whether when they get back to the bench on their way back you're watching it even Dalvin a couple times it's usually things don't bother him too much you know, last night he misses one and a stick over the head. Another one, he grabs a puck, throws it. So because these pucks aren't going in, it's frustrating. And if it's getting to a guy like that, it's getting to a lot of people. And, you're, you know, Skinner, a lot of these guys coming back to the bench when they're middle stat, when they're not, it's that frustration is showing. But on the other hand, I like that because that's emotion. The game has to be played with emotion. If you miss a great opportunity and you just kind of, oh, well, keep going, you know, that's a guy that's scoring, you know, 50, 60 a year. That's that's not a guy that's, you know, battling to score 20. 
So I, I like the emotional side and I like that it bothers them. And, and maybe it's that kind of is what sparks a fire under them a little bit too. So, Hey, they did everything they could. I if they could have done one thing a little different last night with all the shots is maybe while they're getting those shots, a little more traffic in front, you know, make it a little more difficult on Ottinger last night. But other than that, you know, they, they did what they had to do. They always, uh, you know, preach shot mentality and all that. That was, it happened, especially on the power play, even the first one on that, they, they were locked and loaded. They were shooting all the time, got away from it a little bit the, uh, the far they went on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just giving yourself that chance. Yeah, so, you know, obviously trailing after one, getting scored on first. I mean, 20 times this year out of 50 games, they've given up the first goal. They're 3-17-2 and two when trailing after one. I remember, Razor, I got called up one year. We were playing in Washington, and um, after the first period, we're down one nothing, and we're being outshot 21-3 to by the Washington Capitals. And I came into the room. And I said something like, hey, let's let's help Dom here. Let's help Dom. Like 21 shots to three. Let's help Dom. And I don't remember who, but one of the veterans looked at me and says, Marty, it's like that every night. Don't worry about it. Dom will put the wall and we'll, we'll win the game two to one. And that's their identity. Their identity was, I don't care like what the shot total is. Like we'll, fi- we'll find a way and Dom will be there. So now the Sabres are... Like, I don't want to say in the same situation, but it's a different identity. How how do you flip the switch with with 32 games left in the season and trying to to try to to get on a roll here and get a streak going? Well, I I think that Lukanen has proved that they don't have to worry about you know they got to get back. You got to play defense. Don't get me wrong, but he, I think he's proved to them that he'll make that first save. He'll give them that opportunity. Um, he's controlling pucks a lot better now too, after that first shot that, you know, you can maybe take a few more chances offensively. You can start sneaking up the ice a little bit. You, you know, your D is good enough to move the puck that I, I, yeah, you want it. You want to preach D you got to play D and, and that's what wins games. But in certain times you can start cheating a little bit too. when when those goals aren't there and the offense isn't coming, but when you do get into the offensive zone, I think you have to pay that ultimate price of getting to the net. Shots are coming. If a goaltender, even you, Marty, if you could see the puck, you were going to stop it. If you couldn't see the puck, your chances go way down of stopping that puck. And I think that we could probably get a little more traffic in front. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ottinger yesterday, and I know this is a one-off, but uh, there was some traffic at times. There was a a couple of dallying chance that there was good traffic. He made some good saves. Um, But... I, I, my biggest thing is is Don Granado talks about it often, and he did talk about it last night after the game. How it's like it's it's you know frustration now, but you you have to almost know that this is the NHL and it's going to happen. You're going to run into hot goalies at time. Like you have to to not let it get to you and and get you frustrated. Like like the Sabers were when Dom was there, and it was like I don't care if the shots are fifty to ten. Like we're we're fine yeah. here. We're not going to let frustration creep in. A team that is not battling for their life and you know trying to battle to get up into that playoff spot, all those things compile a little bit more than what it would be for you know last night with the Dallas. You know they're sitting in a pretty good spot. You know they're not getting many chances early in the game, and it wasn't you know there was no panic on their part. 
you know, it was no, there was a little bit of frustration at times, but they just kind of kept playing their game. I, I think that's, that just comes with time and maturity and everything too, that you just kind of relax into that mode. No, Hey, the goaltender is making the save here. I don't have to worry about it. You let's just, let's just get going. Let's get, you know, take and open it up a little more, take a few more chances, you know, continue to get the pucks to the net, do the, do get the ugly goal. I think too many times we look for the pretty goal as well. Look at their game-winning goal last night, Dallas. It, it couldn't have come any uglier than that. You see that all the time now, though, Marty. Like it's right. not even a play. It's, yeah, it's just drive to the net, get there, and is have your skates pointing towards the uh, the net, stick pointing towards the net. There's so many more options and 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 availability for that puck to hit something to win, whether it's you or the D that has got to come back and try to contain you or move you. So it's it's a play now. It's you know, that's that's the way the guys are thinking when they're in the corner in the net. They're not throwing that to the net to score. They're throwing it off the to the net to, to go off something in the end. So, yeah. you know. Last one for you, Razor. It's Sabretooth's birthday this Saturday. Do you have anything planned for him? Nah, not really, no. No? No, did like, I see, don't know what. Did you see Sabretooth with the Dallas Stars mascot yesterday getting a fight in the suite? No. I, I Marty, I watch the game when I'm there. I'm not. not that was during a commercial break. I know you're talking to Pinter and you're trying to get organized, but yeah, they uh, during a commercial break, they showed him in the suite and it looked like they were all buddy buddy. And then Sabretooth pulled out a no goal sign, and then it all hell broke loose. They started a big fight in the suite. I hope they're kicking the crap out of him as well. <laughs> I don't know if there was a winner. Uh, because they went away from it. They don't, don't want to encourage violence uh, between mascots. We don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, no. Mascots. Kids. All right. Some quality audio razor. We're going to have to cut you on that note, unfortunately. It's but, in uh, the poop. That's how we're trying to radio. And I up. <laughs> we want you to help celebrate Sabretooth's birthday. It's February 10th when they take on the Blues at 1 p.m. Remember, that's an ABC telecast. First 5,000 kids in attendance to receive a Sabretooth pillowcase, and there'll be uh, fun kid-friendly activations throughout the day. Visit sabers.com slash tickets to purchase yours today. We're back after this on Sabres Live. Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. The date is February 7th. It would seemingly be a big day for birthdays, and not yeah. only in Sabres history, but current NHL, and obviously in the entertainment world. Uh, happy birthday, Mike Hartman, Sean Anderson, Lee Foglin, all former Sabres on this uh, day. And also, Marty, current NHL big-name players like Steven Stamkos, Ryan O'Reilly, Aaron Ekblad, among the many more that are celebrating today. That seems to be a very popular date, uh, February, you know, the early birth year, so that all these hockey players could be older, right? If you were born in 96, then by the time you were five, you were an old 96, because the ones that were born in December were young 96. That's how hockey uh, parents think. So that's why probably February is an, a good month for early birthdays. Garth Brooks, 62 today. Have you seen him? Uh, no, I've not seen Guard Brooks. Uh, no, I have seen him actually in Buffalo. I thought you meant, have I seen him around? No, I haven't seen him around, but I saw him in concert. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I didn't concert, know man. who Guard Brooks really was. I wasn't a country fan when I came to Buffalo and then he did. You didn't uh, have to be a country fan. Everybody knew who Garth was. That was how, that's why he became Garth. I get it. Uh, but you know, the, 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 here's the difference back home in, in <laughs> Quebec, 
Yes. That, that maybe country music and some other like very specialized type of music gets replaced by French music. All yeah. the pop and all the, the the regular music is being played, but that's that style of music wasn't being played a lot. So I didn't know Garbrooks is it was. And then I went to the concert the year that he did what like seven straight days in Buffalo or whatnot, and I was sitting right. I'm over the top of the Zamboni entrance at uh, at the time, which was Marion Midland Arena, yeah. and right next to the stage. And I I was impressed. I was like, "What is going on?" Like running around the stage, and you know the energy. So yes, Guard Brooks, sixty uh, two, still gets going. And then Chris Rock is fifty nine. Yeah. Um, you remember, uh, uh, you know, Chris Rock in a lot of movies. But do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That was Chris Tucker, actually, not Chris Rock's the other guy. So. See, thanks I'm, for mixing that one me, up. You let me talk, and but maybe that's what they're so known for: Chris Tucker and Chris Rock being mistaken at birth. Okay, so what we can make no mistake of is how good Vegas was last night. But oh, yeah. I am furious. No, I allowed myself to be guided by your love of the Oilers. And for the first time that I can recall, I chose to bet against, not literally, figuratively, bet against Vegas last night. No, I wasn't cheering. I I always say Vegas is going to win. Look, since the time they've come into the NHL, they are the best franchise in the NHL, save for Tampa Bay. They are top five in regular season win percentage. They have the second most playoff wins only to Tampa, who's got two cups. And Vegas may well get another. And they're yeah. doing it without significant players. Last night was unreal, and I just can't believe I bet against them. But what a show by your guy, your guy, yeah, Aiden Hill. It just never stops. He is statistically the best goaltender in the league this year, a guy that uh... – you know, came in in the Stanley Cup finals and was like, uh, in well, the playoffs the last year, not the playoffs. The, yeah. yeah. Prior to the yeah. finals in the playoffs. And everybody's like, Oh, Vegas is, is screwed now. And, and he ends up winning a cup and then has had a really strong season despite missing time with injury. He was good. McDavid scored the first goal. One nothing orders. You're thinking that's it. They go to 17. But again, they only gave up two goals. They just couldn't beat the Vegas defense oh. and Aiden Hill. And my guy. Scores the winner. Chandler Stevenson. Stevenson, yes. Like, just absolutely adore this player. What's he going to get contractually? He's a UFA. And anyway, that game had a ton. Although, it William also had Carlson a, had a chance to for an empty netter. Terrible brain cramp by Carlson. Like, and it was still with more than two minutes left. It would yeah. have been the most horrendous turn of events since... Uh, what's his name that we just showed in Edmonton? Patrick, Patrick Stefan. Yeah. yeah, like it was brutal. And then he ends up getting the empty netter and they win. Okay, real quick, fill in the blank here. Yeah. Blank number of games for Brendan Dillon after his major for uh, the illegal hit to the head, allegedly on Nola Chari last night. Well, allegedly it was a illegal hit to the head. Uh, Chari was a little bit under control when he attacked, but Couldn't you cannot hit down. a player in the head like that. You got to get the body. I think it's going to be four or five games on Brendan Dillon. I think it's going to be less than two. I think uh, Dylan was the unfortunate victim of Achari being in a bad position and had no other option since he was already in line for the hit. Wow. So, yes. Go, Dylan. <laughs> See you tomorrow on Sabres Live. I'm, I'm shocked. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.